What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero, flying solo today. Vish is moving, apparently, so he couldn't join us, unfortunately. But it's been a little while since we did a show on Monday, and I didn't want to go any longer without doing one. So I am here for you. Before we get started, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. And please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Today's show is going to be mostly about the 49ers offense. Uh, I was doing some reading online. Warren Sharp has an incredible season preview that he puts together every year, and he's been tweeting things out sort of over the past, I would say, week or so. And I've kind of assembled some of them here, put them together. I think they tell kind of an interesting story about the 49ers offense and what they did last year and what we may see coming up this year in 2023. Before we get rolling into that, I just want to tweet out the link now that we've started. Um, and if you have any questions, of course, please ask them. I love hearing from you. So uh, hit us up with questions and comments and We'll get as many of those in the show as we can as we go along here. Join us now. There's my tweet sending that out. Okay. So a couple of things. I'm going to try to keep this quarterback independent, especially because last year we had three different quarterbacks and uh, Warren didn't break everything down in terms of which quarterback it belonged to or which point in the season. It was all basically just one sort of analysis. So keep that in mind. And when I talk about next year in 2023, just assume I'm talking about Brock as the starting quarterback, because that's generally where it seems to be heading right now. That's sort of the assumption. Okay. So a couple of things here. I'll try to make a graphic as we go along too, in case you're watching on the page. First thing is the 49ers had 75 plays that went at least 20 yards last season. And that was top 10 in the league. It was actually ninth. So the Niners had 75 plays of 20 or more yards. Pretty interesting. Uh, not exactly unexpected with Kyle Shanahan running the show. But again, considering three different quarterbacks, they were still in top 10. That kind of tells us the thing that we've been hearing about Kyle Shanahan, right? That his offense is his offense. It's sort of quarterback independent, and that is cool. I would love to know the breakdown of how many of those came with Brock versus Trey versus uh, Trey, um, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't off the top of my head. I do know that when it came to 30-yard plays, Jimmy had 12, Brock had 7, Trey Lance had 2, I believe, but I yeah, I believe that is the uh, actual breakdown, but that's 30-yard plays, not 20-yard plays. But anyway, the fact that they were top 10 is pretty impressive. And I think that if Kyle ever had a quarterback long enough, we would actually see more because he would learn more about the quarterback, about the style, what they like, what they don't like, yada, yada, yada. Um, but as it is right now, he's sort of, you know, doing this on the fly, essentially. But the fact that he can still get it in, I thought was pretty good. Are there any other passing ones I want to get to? Oh, yes. Early down pass rate in the first half. The 49ers passed the ball on 51.4% of plays in the first half. That was 23rd in the league. 23rd overall. That is stunning to me because the general consensus is if you want to have an efficient offense, you pass on early downs, and that opens things up later on. 
49ers, at least in the first half, before the score can kind of dictate what you have to do on offense, they didn't do that. They they only passed it on 51% of plays. Again, that was 23rd. So most of the teams in the league are passing earlier than the 49ers do. Uh, just checking this comment really quick. Kenny G says, over the weekend, did it feel like Lance was getting a little more recognition than normal? I have no idea what you mean, Kenny. Uh, if you can elaborate in the chat. I can respond. I don't remember seeing a ton of stuff about Trey Lance over the weekend, but if you saw something, let me know. It's entirely possible I missed it. I've been a little busy uh, doing some stuff for ESPN, so I may have missed it. Uh, let me know. Um, but anyway, back to the uh, the pass rate. I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if that – I don't know what it means, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Does it mean that Kyle didn't trust his quarterbacks? Did it mean that – he was like erring on the side of caution because Jimmy got thrown in and then, and then Brock got thrown in and we know he's very cautious with Trey. I'm not sure what the reason is for it. And I'm not sure what I think that means for 2023 in that particular case. It could be that Kyle feels comfortable with Brock by now. And so he's willing to let the ball fly a little more on early downs, or it could just be he doesn't and his system is his system and he's going to run what he's going to run. I don't think we can say accurately either way because we don't know how comfortable Kyle is with Brock. They're putting out, you know, all the, the words that they're saying are good and they're putting out the narrative that he's comfortable with Brock, but talk is cheap. You know, let's see what you actually do once you get in the games themselves. And we will eventually, but again, 23rd in early down pass rate in the first half. So before the score was dictating what you had to do, Kyle was passing way, way less than other teams. Marshmallow. Marshmallow says, I think it proves more that we are a run first team. We feed off our early runs. Well, it's interesting that you say that because some of the other stats, and again, these come from Warren Sharp. Um, the 49ers faced a stacked box and that's seven or more defenders. 91% of the time last year. That is number one in the league. That's the highest rate in the league. And it's the highest rate in the league by a lot. The number two team on that list, the team that faced stack boxes, the second most in the league is the Atlanta Falcons. And they were at 82.9%. So again, the 49ers were at 91. The next highest team was at 83, basically. So that tells you that no matter what defense was on the field, no matter who the 49ers were playing against, it was, hey, we know you're running. We are not afraid of your quarterback at all, and we are going to load the box. That is stunning to me that they would sell out that much. I was really, really surprised by that. And I don't know. I don't know why. Like, it's one thing if you were doing that against Trey or Brock, maybe. But, like, Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown the ball around a little bit. But they just, I think that the thinking was no matter who it is, like, hey, you might pass it, but we're more worried about the run. And we know you're not going to really throw it deep that much. And so this is what we're doing. And that's probably why Brock was able to have a little more success deeper down the field when he first got in there, is because that's what teams were doing to the 49ers. They were loading the box and they were living with the consequences, essentially. And uh, I, I don't think it'll be that high this season. Because of what we saw from Brock last year, assuming, again, that he's in there from the go, I don't think we're going to see 91% of, st of, 
of seven or more in the box against the 49ers running attack. I just don't. That's probably the biggest positive from last year and the success that Brock had is that teams maybe are not going to do that. They're not going to sell out as much. They're going to say, hey, okay, we we have to do it this way. Otherwise, they are going to pass on us. How, how much they do and how much they adjust, I don't know. But, yeah, that was kind of a big deal. 91% of runs last year. And this is the cool thing that goes along with that. If you look at the percentage of runs that gained one or fewer yards – the 49ers were 17th in the league. So even though they were facing a stacked box 91% of the time, they didn't get stuffed any more than the average team. And I think that's a credit to Shanahan. I think that's a credit to the 49ers offensive line. And it's a credit to the 49ers running backs. That's really impressive. The defense said, hey, we're selling out to stop you. And yet the 49ers were able to gain at least multiple yards. Now, maybe it was two and three yards, but still they were able to gain multiple yards basically at an average rate, even though defenses were going above and beyond to try and stop them. So that is comforting. Even if that trend does continue, the stacked box trend in 2023, the Niners have proven that they can work with that, that it's not going to just shut off their run game completely. 91%. Sorry, I'm just getting a quick topic bar up there. So people that tune in know what I'm talking about. Let's get to some of the comments. Tyler Cressley, are you serious? Yes, I am serious. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Diego, shout out to Diego, YouTube channel member. By the way, if you want to be a YouTube channel member, please sign up. It's less than $3 a month. You get priority comment response, custom emojis, membership badges. We appreciate you, Diego. He says, would be cool to compare the pass rate pre and post McCaffrey. And if the plays that don't necessarily work comments have something to do with it. That's what I was wondering too, right? When I actually looked up the numbers of how often the 49ers get stuffed on runs, I was like, hmm, how much of that is Kyle knowingly going into those plays in the hope that he'll be able to set up something bigger later? I don't want to fall into that trap though and just assume that like every time Kyle doesn't, you know, every time the Niners have a play that doesn't work that, oh, they meant to do that because that's not fair or realistic either. Um, but I think that's part of it. But also the fact that they're still able to gain multiple yards and they're not getting stuffed like I just talked about, that means that Shanahan isn't totally wasting plays. Even the plays that he doesn't think will quote-unquote work are still working a little bit. And so that's obviously super encouraging. Uh, let's see. I'll sprinkle in some questions here. Front row justice. Can you confirm if the reason Grant hates Shanahan is because he didn't sign something for him as a kid? Seems his hate is out of pocket of one of the top three coaches in the league. Grant doesn't hate Kyle Shanahan. I don't think Grant cares enough about it, all these people to hate anybody. Grant has strong feelings on people. And yeah, let's be honest. He likes to stir it up. I don't think he hates Kyle. I really don't. Uh, let's see. Guamanaut says, whether we're playing Brock with an iffy elbow or Trey with less experience might be wise to lean into the run game at least earlier on in the season. Yeah, I think that Kyle's going to do that. Um, I think he would do that anyway. I think he, Kyle likes to, it takes him a few weeks to get his pants on, so to speak, you know, with the, with the offense and everything. We've seen that consistently throughout his tenure. I think I have a stat here somewhere in my, yes, in my graphics, the Niners averaged 16.5 points per game in week one under Shanahan. So it does take him a little while to get going. He's two and four in week one with the 49ers. So we've seen that. I think part of the reason is he does lean on the run a little bit. And when you lean on the run, 
If it doesn't work, your offense doesn't do much. And that's what we've seen early on with the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. Let's hope he keeps that going. JJ00 on my Twitch page, at Stats on Fire, says, Rob, heard you on the radio for the first time. As a longtime listener of the pod, it was a bit surreal. Like a friend you know, making it big and telling people, hey, I know that guy. Congrats. Thank you, JJ. I really appreciate that. Not going to lie. It's it's a dream come true for me, getting to host shows on ESPN Radio. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do since I was a kid, was literally have a radio show at ESPN. Now, it's not my show. I'm filling in on other people's shows, but still really, really cool for me. Honestly, I wish I could talk a little more football, though. I've been stuck talking NBA and Wembenyama and Dame Lillard. I want to talk football, damn it. So that's been a little frustrating, but I appreciate you and I appreciate the uh, the kind words. JJ00 says, when Grant was a kid, Kyle was a teenager. <laughs> hey, somebody else heard me on the radio. Chillmatic, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Um, okay, now what was I saying? Oh, yes, sorry, the, the percentage of runs in the box. So we'll see if, if that keeps up, how defenses adjust As a whole, defenses usually play nickel. That's become the new base defense. And they are blitzing less than ever before. Defenses have basically figured out, hey, let's just live with the gains in the run game because we can't get beat big time through the air and we need to play coverage. And we can't blitz either because defenses found out that the quarterbacks and the systems now are too good. They're getting burned blitzing. So they are playing nickel coverage more and they are blitzing less so they are all about stopping the run it's part of the reason teams gained 4.5 yards per carry last year that's the highest since 2011 teams are running the ball better than ever before because defenses do not give a crap about it they don't they'll live with it in the run game they are built to stop the pass now i think kyle knows this, and I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing him run as much as he does because Kyle's whole thing is just taking whatever the defense gives you. And so he's comfortable running the ball if you're going to gain four and a half yards of carry on the whole. I think he's cool with that. Plus, he's very conservative. It limits the percentage chance of turnovers or sacks or everything, any negative type of play like that. So that's why he's doing what he's doing. But eventually, you've got to score. And Generally, you pass the score in the NFL, and that's where the 49ers have been okay, and they were certainly good down the stretch last year. M. Patel, watching on YouTube, says, how can an offensive genius finish just once in the top five in scoring? Well, he's had a lot of quarterback injuries, Patel. I think that's part of it. Um, I, I think that guys get, like, real caught up in this offensive genius thing and think that Kyle has to, like, finish first all the time. Otherwise, he's not a real genius. Not quite sure that's how it works. Eddie Alonzo, don't forget us little people when you make it big. Plus, I-, I will never stop doing this podcast. Like I'm just telling you now. Not that I'm about to make it big or anything like that, but I will never stop doing this podcast. I love it. I'm so grateful for all the support. So please don't worry about that. Okay, what else did I find digging through the numbers that Warren Sharp was tweeting out? Uh, oh, I thought this was really interesting. Score rate on drives when losing. So how often did the 49ers score points on drives when they were losing? The Niners were at 41.7%. Now that might not sound great, right? Because that means essentially on 60% of the drives when they were losing, they didn't score points, but it was actually ninth best in the league. So it's not as bad as you might've initially thought. That's pretty good. Ninth best 
again, with three different quarterbacks. And keep in mind this little nugget. The 49ers didn't trail at any point in a game last year for a month. That's how hot this team was. They started, if you take the first quarter in the Miami game when they were trailing and you go from that point on, they didn't trail again in a game till week 17 against the Raiders. So they went from the first quarter of week 13 to the first quarter of week 17 without ever even trailing in a game. That's how great this team was playing down the stretch last year. So when you see that number of, well, they were only ninth best in scoring points when losing, they weren't losing that much. <laughs> so that's pretty good. That's the other side of that stat that you might not think of when you hear it. Just going to get a topic bar up. Four points on drives. Losing 41.7% of the time. Sorry. Should have done these before I started the show. But I think that's still pretty good. The problem that I have with it is I bet a lot of those points when they were scoring, I bet a lot of those are field goals. And I want them to be touchdowns as always. So that would be something I want to keep an eye on is how often do they get touchdowns when they're scoring? Because if you're down by seven and you kick a field goal, who cares? You know, like you haven't really done much. You still got to get down and score at least two more field goals to take a lead. So hopefully we can get some more touchdowns. But again, I just wanted to take a look at that. I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, okay, I got that note in there. Sorry, I'm just scanning through the notes as I go along here. If you have any questions, again, drop them in the chat. Uh, let's see. Guaminot, hoping for a fast start in the one seed. I think the bye week will be critical with the traveling this team needs to do this year. Yeah, they're going to do a lot of traveling, second most in the league. Uh, I think we're all hoping for a one seed. I think it's going to come down to Philly, San Francisco, to be honest with you. Um, that week 13 game against the Eagles is going to be massive, as we all expect it to be. And that could be literally what determines the number one seed. And it's, it is going to be a big deal. They will need the rest. God knows what their injury situation is going to look like by that point anyway. But it could come down to that one game. Greatness54, shout out to another YouTube channel member. Thank you very much. Statistics and numbers are cool, but people use them most of the time to fit their narrative. So I don't put too much stock into it. I don't really have a narrative with these. I'm just kind of like, I like to look at it and say, okay, this is what happened. Why do we think it happened? And do we think it will continue to happen? That's all. And again, I don't have any bias with these. Like these are what they are. Uh, and I just think it's worth taking a big picture look because we go through the season and we zoom in on, on these games, you know, like what happens in this week and this week and this week. And sometimes you lose focus on the bigger picture. So that's why I think now in July, you know, a couple of weeks before training camp gets underway in earnest, let's take a look at these bigger picture things because I think they tell us information about the team. And I always like information. Doesn't mean you got to take it as gospel. Doesn't mean any of that. But I always like more information over less information. That's just me. Let's see what else I've got in my notes here for you. Oh, this is interesting. Touchdown rate on drives that crossed midfield. So once you cross midfield, how frequently did you cash it in for seven? The 49ers were at 41% of the time. Now, again, if you think that's bad, that was actually 10th best in the league. So they were top 10 at getting a touchdown once they crossed midfield. If you're wondering, the best team in the league, Kansas City Chiefs. That's not surprising. But their rate was 50%. So the Chiefs, even the Chiefs, the number one team in the league with the best quarterback in the league, 
only scored touchdowns half the time when they went over midfield. Now, obviously, maybe they got field goals. You know that that's not included in this particular stat. But 41% of the time the Niners crossed midfield, they got a touchdown. That was 10th best in the league. And personally, I feel like that number was probably worse under Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and probably much better under Brock Purdy. I could be totally wrong about that. I haven't looked up the numbers, so I have no stats to back that up right now. That's just my personal feeling when I think about how the season went and I look back on the season. It seemed to me like they were cashing in touchdowns with Brock more than they were with Trey and more than they were with Jimmy Garoppolo. You tell me if you think I'm wrong. I'm definitely open to it. Gabriel Garcia says, you want them to be 100%. Oh, well, yeah, of course I want them to be 100%. Do I expect them to be 100%? No. Again, I just think looking back at the number is interesting. I wouldn't have guessed it was 41, and I definitely wouldn't have guessed that that was 10th best in the league. I would have thought it was more, actually, for everybody. I would have thought that the number one team was higher. So, again, it's just perspective. You know, I want us to keep these things in mind, or maybe just me. Maybe I'm just the one that needs to keep it in mind, and you guys have got it all under control. If you do, good for you. But, again, I just, you know, I think it's interesting. Salty Cyclist says the real split is with and without Christian McCaffrey. That's fair. I think that's a very important distinction. Clearly, the offense got better under McCaffrey. 19 points a game without him. Around 32, 33 points a game with him. So, clearly, he was a huge, huge difference maker for the team. That is absolutely fair. And I'm excited to see a whole year of Christian McCaffrey this year. I think Christian McCaffrey... Quite honestly, he's excited to be here for a full year. We've heard the reports of him basically setting the tone in, in minicamp and going all out 100% from the second he stepped on the field. I think that's just the kind of guy he is. I have said on other shows, and I continue to say, I think he is going to replace Debo as one of the faces and leaders of this team in this offense. I really do. He's just, that's how he is. He's a hard worker. He's a productive player. The whole offense goes through him. I really think he's going to be, I think it's going to be him. I think it'll be Kittle as always. Trent Williams will always be a guy there, but I don't think it's going to be Debo. Remember, Debo wasn't voted a captain last year. In fact, Debo finished behind Trey Lance. So it's not like he has this, you know, unimpeachable reputation in the 49ers locker room. It's not that way. And Christian McCaffrey is, he's a diehard, you know, son of a, of a player grew up basically, Learning how to be a pro, I just I think that's the kind of guy he is. I'm not going to be stunned at all if he's a captain, and I'm for sure not going to be stunned when he emerges as one of the leaders on the offense, for sure. Kramanod says, we drafted a kicker in the third round to destroy our hopes and dreams on fourth and short across midfield. Well, that was the other point I wanted to make, so thank you for taking me there because I actually forgot it. How many of these drives where they cross midfield did they end up not going for it on fourth and short and kicking a field goal? If you want to get that number up, I think the only way to do it or the only reasonable way to expect it to go up is not to just say, well, we're just going to score more touchdowns more. No, you have to give yourself the chance to score more touchdowns. And the way you do that is by actually going for it on fourth down. I don't know that Kyle's going to do it. I really don't, unfortunately. But you know I've been hoping for it. And you know I've been praying for it. Robbie 439 says Rob has been sounding more pro Purdy lately. I'm not, I'm not any higher on Brock Purdy than I was in the past, but I have to acknowledge that he's going to be the starter. And so I need to treat him like he's going to be the starter until he's not the starter anymore. 
But if you want to know my thoughts on Purdy, they are unchanged. I'm not sold on him. I still want to see Lance be the starter, but that's not where we are right now. So I can get on here and keep saying over and over again that I want Lance to be the starter, but it's not going to change the fact that he's not the starter. So I'm trying to act and proceed as if Purdy is the starter because that's what the team is telling me. So I'm not, my opinion on Brock has never changed, just for the record. Doesn't mean I don't like him. Doesn't mean I'm not going to root for him. Doesn't mean any of that. But that's where we are. And it'd be stupid of me to continue to talk about Trey Lance as a starting quarterback when the team itself is told us flat out he's not going to be the starter because they think Brock is going to be back. Also, I think the fact that we haven't had any bad Brock updates is a very good sign. Uh, you know, he went to work with his throwing coach in Jacksonville. That's obviously good. So every report we've got on Brock is good. So why wouldn't we proceed as if he's going to be the starter? And Robbie says, you love him, Rob. Admit it. It's okay. I don't love him. Salty Cyclist says Lance starts week one. I don't know. We'll see about that. Uh, Tyler agrees with me. Kyle Shanahan needs to be more aggressive. Uh, Chillmatic, Rob, has your confidence increased for Levin getting that press pass? He hasn't heard anything back, as far as I know. For anyone that doesn't know, Levin's trying to get a press pass to the week one game against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. He applied for the credential. We're trying to go through the proper channels. Uh, obviously, it would be a hell of a lot easier if we were still with Niners Nation because they have granted press passes to Niners Nation before. They don't, the Niners policy is they don't grant press passes to just a podcast. You have to be more than a podcast. Now we do have a website, goldstandardniners.com, goldstandardniners.com. So we're hoping that's going to be enough uh, to get Levin the press pass, but I haven't heard an update on that. And actually I haven't talked with him in a couple of days. So I should get an update on that for you. Let's see. M Patel is back, says staggering fact. Kyle's last three playoff losses, the 49ers have been outscored 37 to nothing in the fourth quarter. When you add the Atlanta Super Bowl, it's 62 to nothing. Okay. I mean, it wasn't Kyle's defense in the Atlanta Super Bowl. And let's be honest, 37 to nothing is is uh, bad enough. I don't need the additional help. They have faltered in the fourth quarter. Obviously, with the Eagles game, you, I kind of throw that out a little bit because there was no quarterback, so I don't really count that. But go back and look at the NFC Championship game in 2021. They offense, forget about scoring a point. The offense didn't gain a single positive yard in the last 10 minutes of the game. A single positive yard in the last 10 minutes. They lost that game. We know what happened in the Super Bowl, the meltdown against the Chiefs. They just collapsed. They could not gain a first down. It was incredibly frustrating to watch. And that is, that is a fair criticism of Kyle Shanahan. I don't just criticize Kyle. I also criticize the players themselves. But Kyle's a part of that. For sure, he has to wear that. You're the head coach. You're the offensive play caller. It has to be on you. Again, not solely on you, but yeah, I think it's fair. I think anyone that that says he has no blame is not being objective and just being a homer, frankly. Uh, Let's see. Any other questions? Oh, I like this one from 91649er. What can the 49ers do to alleviate the rest disadvantage between games? Not much, to be honest with you. I don't think there is a ton that they can do. It's just one of those things. You know, I think last year they had a great scheduling advantage because if you remember, they didn't leave the Pacific time zone after the game against the Cardinals in Mexico City. That, I believe, was week nine. They didn't leave the Pacific time zone the whole rest of the schedule. That's massive for you from a recovery standpoint, from a rest standpoint, from a body clock standpoint. The Niners don't have that this year. 
Oh, I'm sorry. It was week 11 last year, not week nine. I apologize. Week 11 last year, they didn't leave the Pacific time zone, but still pretty damn amazing. This year, they're all over the place. They've got cross-country flights. They've got early clock games. It's not as advantageous. I don't know if there's a ton that they can do to mitigate it. You just kind of have to fight through it. Checking uh, some of the other comments. Let's see. Twin Empire says the 49ers played against a bunch of backup quarterbacks down the stretch last year, too. I actually saw a stat. They played against like one of the easiest defensive schedules as well last year. So that's part of the reason why the defense looked as good as it did. Um, we'll see. I think the defense has a chance to look better this year with Javon Hargrave and with Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes' specialty is the secondary, and I think he'll get the, more out of those guys than we've seen in the past. So hopefully that's good. And I think the pass rush is going to be better because I think Drake Jackson is also going to be better along the defensive line. So I think the defense has a chance to be better. Maybe not statistically better, but we saw them give up a ton of big plays. They led the league in 50-yard pass plays allowed last year. I don't think that'll be the case this year. I will. I do think that they will be better. Are there any other stats? Let me read this really quickly that I wanted to get in before I uh, look for some more questions. Nope. I think that's it. 27% of the runs last year gained one or fewer runs. Uh, one or fewer yards, excuse me, that was 17th. But no, that's pretty much it. So, oh, oh, la one last point. I apologize. One last point. Last year was the lowest amount of passes that went 20 or more air yards in the past decade. So basically defenses have said, we're not giving up any big plays anymore. We're shutting that down. The key to victory is not giving up big plays. So last year was the fewest amount of passing plays with 20 or more air yards in the past 10 years. So if you think that Brock is going to get in there and start bombing it down the field, or Trey Lance is going to get in there and start bombing it down the field, left, right, and center, that's just not the case anymore because defenses are gearing up to stop exactly that play. So I know that, especially for the 49ers, there's a huge focus on air yards, right? We talked about it with Jimmy Garoppolo all the time. We've talked about it with Lance and with Purdy. We were all excited when Purdy first came in and he was throwing the ball deeper down the field. But in general, those plays don't happen that much in the NFL. Again, lowest amount of them in the last decade, last season. So we should maybe temper our expectations a little bit for how the 49ers are going to have to get this done in 2023 that doesn't mean you can't score a ton of points doesn't mean that at all it just means you're not going to do it by bombing the ball down the field you're going to have to do it by checking it down hitting the open guy yards after catch that type of thing which isn't necessarily a bad thing for the 49ers because they've got kyle shanahan and the yak bros but let's just keep that in mind when we're all sitting around next year going why aren't they throwing it deeper down the field literally because that's the one thing defenses are not allowing you to do anymore so let's just keep it in mind. That's all I'm saying. And look, I'll probably be right there with you losing my mind next year. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not immune to these things. I forget these things too. Maybe somebody needs to clip this off and show me it in about, what, four months? Maybe. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for me. I just want to go through the chat anymore, see if anybody dropped any super chats or had any other questions for me sorry it's a bit of a shorter show again vish is moving today so he wasn't able to join me i'm sure he'd have a ton to say on some of these numbers uh, but i really do appreciate it last 
this comment I want to read. Marshmallow says, I would assume the list of head coaches who lost their first Super Bowl and went on to win one in the next five years is a very short list. That doesn't mean Kyle is a good coach. That's a good question. How many coaches in general have lost their Super Bowl appearance, their first one, and gone on to win one? I bet you it's not that many. Again, doesn't mean it's impossible, um, but I'd be interested to see the list for sure. I know that Kyle doesn't really give a crap about it because he expects to win one and wants to win one. I don't know. I don't know if you can expect another NFC Championship game this year. Do you think, do you expect another NFC Championship game this year? It doesn't happen that often where they go down every year and end up in that game. That is not a normal thing. Teams have stretches. The Patriots did it for eight straight years, but they also had the greatest quarterback of all time. The Chiefs have done it every year since Patrick Mahomes became the starter in 2018. That's pretty damn impressive. But again, he's, you know, potentially on his way to being a top three quarterback all time. Obviously, the 49ers do not have that. Now, they've still been able to do that. But how often can you do that when you don't have an elite quarterback? Andy Reid did it four straight years, I believe, with the Eagles and Donovan McNabb. But that was Andy Reid, the greatest offensive mind of his generation. So... We'll see. A lot of people, Robbie439 says, I expect a Super Bowl. Twin Empire says, that's the whole point of starting Brock. We are in a Super Bowl window. E Nice, 23, Super Bowl, baby. We just got to keep running CMC. Twin Empire, don't move the goalpost. I'm not moving the goalpost. I'm just saying, keep in mind what we've seen here from the 49ers. It's been pretty damn good. Doesn't mean I don't want a Super Bowl. Doesn't mean they can't win one. Doesn't mean they're not contenders for one. But when you realistically look at the history of football and the history of the league, teams generally don't make the NFC Championship game year after year after year after year, especially when they don't have a top three quarterback, top five quarterback in the league at the time. That's just the reality of the situation. It's not me moving the goalpost. Will I be disappointed if they don't get back to the NFC Championship game this year? Hell yeah. Because again, I want to see a Super Bowl title. But if you're asking if I expect them to, no. Because NFL history says they're probably not going to get back to the NFC Championship game because it's really freaking hard to do. But I'm going to be rooting for it, praying for it, of course. I feel like people got to separate those two things. What you expect to happen and what you hope will happen are two different things. My wife's got two job interviews next week. Do I expect her to get an offer at both of them? No. Do I hope she does? Yes. But, you know, I'm trying to be realistic about things. I'm trying to temper the expectations. I see there's a little uh, battle going on in the chat. And by the way, shout out to Valerie. Appreciate you, Valerie, YouTube channel member. Please hit the like button. You're right. Hit the like and subscribe button. Ring that little bell so you get notified every time we go live. Please and thank you. So what is this battle going on in the chat? Diego says Dick Vermeil had to go 19 seasons between losing and winning a Super Bowl. And how did he win one? Oh, that's right. He ended up with Kurt Warner when he won the MVP that year, when he came out of nowhere after Trent Green went down. JJ00, good point. Sean McVay did just that. Lost his first Super Bowl and won a second a few years later. Very good point. Absolutely a good point. Again, I hope it happens. I'm rooting for it to happen. Do I expect it? No, I don't think so. I don't think you can just expect it. I think we've all been a little bit spoiled by what's going on here. And it's okay to appreciate it, especially now in the off season, right? Where we're a little more calm and a little more rational. Just appreciate it now. 
So then once we get into the craziness next year, you could you could get into your fandom again and not have to worry about it. Twin Empire says it's rings or failure. Okay. But that rings don't happen very often. We haven't won one around these parts since 1994, since I was nine years old, okay? Am I going to call every season after that a failure? No, I wouldn't say that at all. I absolutely wouldn't say that at all. I'm not calling the 2011 season a failure when the team was a joke for years and all of a sudden Jim Harbaugh came out of nowhere and took us to the NFC Championship game. Is that a failure? No, it's not a failure. Absolutely not. Now, when you're where the 49ers are now and you don't win a ring, is it a failure? That's a different discussion. Again, I kind of think the Niners are sort of at the end of this little window they've been in rather than the beginning. But if you don't, then I can understand how you would say that. Twin empire, but you can't have this type of talent and resources, fella. Why you got to throw the fella at the end of it? Like, why can't you just make your comment and not be a jerk? How about that? Imagine that, fella. JJ00, we're sports fans. Unrealistic expectations is the name of the game. That's fair. Look, I'm not telling you how to be a fan. I'm just telling you how I look at it, all right? If you want to do Super Bowl every year and everything else is a failure and you want to live your life that way, okay. I don't think you judge your job that way, though. I'll say that, right? Whether if you're a police officer, you know, every criminal you catch, are they all convicted and all in jail? No. Well, then you failed. Like, no, that's just... Nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody defines their job that way. I would say maybe surgeons, barbers, tattoo artists, they may define their job that way, right? Perfection or failure. Those are jobs that are pretty serious. But other than that, Robbie 439. Rob's preparing himself to lose seven months in advance. Come on, Rob. We are the faithful, not the doubtful. Look, faith is belief in the absence of data, right? That is the definition of faithful. I didn't call myself faithful. Some marketing person decided to call 49ers fans faithful. I'm hopeful. Can I call myself that? Hopeful rather than faithful? I don't think teams deserve faith through everything. If your team is a joke and they're not spending money and they're not trying to win and they're not trying to get better, they don't deserve your fandom or your interest. They don't. They absolutely do not. Because they take your money and they get your money through all of it. So no, I would describe myself as hopeful rather than faithful. And I think that's fair. A lot of people are mad at me. Or maybe they're mad at Twin Empire. I'm going to pretend it's Twin Empire. Caesar, YouTube channel member, shout out to you. Being a realist doesn't make you less of a fan. Let's go, Rob. Let's go. That's right. Nothing wrong with being a realist and a fan. You can do both of those at the same time. I really think you can. Just funny because I think most people would think of me as the emotional crazy person among 49ers content creators. And I admit sometimes I can be, and I'm sure I will be again next year. But if we can't be at least a little more calm or rational in July, on July 10th, damn, I'm not that unhinged, right? Anyway, Robbie says, can you imagine if we changed our marketing to the hopeful? Well, I, look, it's not a good marketing thing, but that's the point that the faithful is a marketing thing. That's all that is. Like, I don't think 49ers fans had a meeting somewhere and decided to call ourselves the faithful, right? Like, when did that even happen? I've been a 49er fan since I was five years old. I don't remember being called the faithful up until recently. You didn't have to call 49ers fans the faithful in the 80s and 90s when they were kicking the tar out of everybody. They came up with that because the team started to suck after Steve Young retired. JJ00, Brady didn't win it all every year, even when it felt like he did. Amen. Actually, Tom Brady went a while between Super Bowls. If you go look at the numbers, 
it wasn't like, oh, he won every year. It was a huge break between Super Bowls. And that's part of the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo was on the roster. And that's part of the reason why Brady got all, you know, bent out of shape about it. But if you go back and look, the Patriots won three out of four Super Bowls from 01 to 04. They didn't win the Super Bowl again after 04 until 2014. So they went a decade between Super Bowl titles. Now, they did get to the Super Bowl a couple times in there, which obviously makes a difference. But they literally went a decade without Super Bowls. So that illustrates two things. One, it's hard to win it every single year. But also, two, as long as you have the quarterback, you're still in the Super Bowl window. And they had one quarterback through that time, and it was Tom Brady. Shout out to Antonio, new YouTube channel member. Thank you very much, Antonio. Appreciate the support. Again, less than $3 a month to be a YouTube channel member. Hope you uh, sign up. We appreciate all the support. Judge, uh, Judge Shooty. Rob, you said Kyle needs to be more aggressive, but also read a stat saying they were behind only once. Question is, could that be the reason if you have a lead as head coaches and it's smart to lean on number one defense? Okay. So the stat I reference is that the 49ers went a month without trailing in a game, which is a true stat. But that doesn't mean that Kyle should be kicking field goals in the red zone, especially, you know, when it's like fourth and short, fourth and one, fourth and two. You have to go for it. Now, is it as critical when you're in, you know, a random week four game against a really crappy team? No, I admit it's not as critical. But when you get into the playoffs and you face better competition and specifically better quarterbacks, there is no leaning on the defense. The game is evolved. The game is tilted in favor of the offense. And so when you have the ball, the game is tilted in your favor. So that's why I think you need to be more aggressive and you need to go for it more. So it, it applies to all games, but not all games evenly. If you are playing a crappy team and you're way better, it's you have more margin for error when you kick those field goals instead of trying to go for the touchdown. But when you get into the playoffs and the Super Bowls, like we have seen with the 49ers, good quarterbacks find a way to score and generally do score and score touchdowns. And so you can't take the ball out of your own hands. I will go down fighting with that forever. It's one of the biggest things Kyle Shanahan needs to change. And I will continue to fight it. And I actually saw some data that said he goes for it more than I thought he did, which I'm willing to admit I was wrong on that but he still needs to go for it even more than he does. I should pull that up, actually. I should try and find that because I should be fair. I do try and be fair uh, when I'm wrong about stuff. I like to admit it because I'm not trying to trick you or deceive you. Um, so if I am wrong about it, I like to let you know I'm wrong about it. I try to be as fair in my coverage as I can be. So I should, I'll dig up, I will dig up those numbers for you and find them. Uh, so you can see where Kyle ranks in terms of going forward on fourth down and how often he does and how much that compares with other coaches in the league. Because again, I'm going to be wrong on stuff and I have been wrong on stuff, but I'm always honest with you when I am. I will always tell you, I will always admit it. I was wrong about Aaron Banks. I never thought Aaron Banks would be able to be a consistent starter for this team or any other team ever. I was wrong. I never thought Talanoa Hufanga could be as good as he is. I was wrong about him. I thought he was only going to be uh, you know, close to the line of scrimmage guy, and he's proven that he could potentially be more than that. I was wrong about that. So when I'm wrong, I like to tell you I'm wrong. I don't think there's any shame in being wrong. I look at situations. I look at data. I analyze them. I apply what I'm hearing with what I'm seeing, and I make opinions. 
And some of those are going to be right and some are going to be wrong. And if, if you want somebody that's always right on everything, I don't know who you're following for your 49ers coverage or your sports coverage in general, because it's just not possible. But I'm this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be. And that's not going to change. So if you don't like it, I apologize. But this is it. I'm not going to change it because I think it's the best way to be. Robbie 439 says, Kyle went for it a lot versus Arizona in 2021. It didn't go great. Are you referring to Trey Lance's first start? Yeah, sometimes you don't get him. That doesn't mean you shouldn't go for him, though. See, that's the difference. You can't judge it by how it works out because no one knows how it's going to work out before they run the play. If you told Kyle, if you go for this, you will fail, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't go for it. But nobody knows that before you go for it. So you can't just look and see, did it work out and evaluate it that way. JJ00 on Twitch, at Stats on Fire is my Twitch page. Sometimes you just need to get lucky to win the Super Bowl too. The tuck rule, the immaculate reception, the Seahawks not running it at the goal line. Sometimes it just takes luck and the 49ers haven't had it yet. That is a part of it. That's a very good point. Luck is a part of it. I've talked about this in the past. A lot of things have to go your way to even make a Super Bowl, let alone win one. Stuff that is out of your control. Stuff that just has to bounce your way in order to even get to that point. And it happened to the Patriots, like you said. It's happened to countless teams that have won. It's always, always been that way. So even if you do everything right, have the best players and have the best coaches, literally the ball is shaped to bounce funny. And sometimes it doesn't bounce to you. And sometimes in a game, that is the difference between a win and a loss. That is absolutely part of it, JJ. I thank you for bringing that up because you are totally right. Antonio says going for it on fourth down is the future. Teams are only going to get better at it. Same thing happened with field goals and passing. I do think the game is trending that way. I think part of the reason teams don't go for it on fourth down is because the criticism they get from the media and from fans, if they don't get it. But I think that is beginning to change because as fans are becoming more educated on some of the advanced analytics and things like that, that criticism is starting to fade a little bit because of that. And I think you'll see coaches go for it more. I really do. Uh, Patobo Hammer. I hope I said your name wrong. Pat Obo Hammer. I apologize, but whatever your name is. Are you doing a show with Grant this week? Good question. I'm going to check in with Grant uh, today or tomorrow. Actually, last week he was in the Hamptons, so we couldn't do it. Uh, but hopefully I can check in this week. I'd love to. I will do a show regardless. I just don't know if Grant will be there. Uh, and if he's not there, maybe I'll try and bring on a guest. But I saw a lot of you uh, enjoy the guests that uh, we've been able to bring on. Patel, stats is easily top three 49ers content creators. Thank you very much, Patel. I appreciate that. I try to be. I hope to be. hope to be number one, to be honest with you. No disrespect to anybody else out there, but I would like to be number one. We're going to try and uh, build this thing up as much as possible. Kurt Sampson, this is a very defensive podcast. Defensive in what way, Kurt? Me being defensive? I wanted it to be an offensive podcast, but we kind of worked through all that stuff early on. By the way, Happy birthday, Juwan Jennings. I want to shout that out. Third and Juwan, happy birthday to you. Uh, let's see. Jed Shuddy. Salty. We saw Jimmy with a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl. If he was playing any other team, he probably wins the Super Bowl, but he's not a guy who you know will win one thing, would need to fall in place. You could make the argument that if the Chiefs didn't have um, Chris Jones that the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl because he was getting all the pressure up the middle and that was disrupting everything the 49ers were trying to do. But as it happens, that's the way it goes. The 
Chiefs did have Chris Jones. They also had Patrick Mahomes. They went nuts. Yeah, it's all part of it. I mean, the Rams could argue that if Jared Goff could hit, um, I can't remember who it was. Was it Cooks? I don't know. One of the receivers that he had running wide open down the middle of the field against the Patriots, maybe the Rams win that Super Bowl. That's always how it goes. There's always plays that could have, would have, should have happened. And when you hit those plays, that's part of the reason why you win. Chillmatic, chances of getting Kyle Shanahan for an interview. 0.0. I don't think that will ever happen. I have, to be fair, I've never requested Kyle Shanahan for an interview, but he does almost no interviews during the year. He only does one, and it's with Matt Mayoko. And I don't think the 49ers are a fan of me, frankly, because I criticize them a lot. If they're even aware of me at all. If they are, I'm pretty sure they're probably not a fan of me. So, but to be honest, like, I don't, would it be cool to interview Kyle Shanahan? Yes. And I would love to do it because I have so many questions I would ask him, but I also, most interviews that I would get, I think would be kind of fluff and kind of pointless. Like I've interviewed Kittle before I've interviewed Lance. I've interviewed Debo. They're okay. You get some things here and there, but by and large, they kind of all say the same stuff. That's why, like, I don't need, that's why I feel like I can cover this team without being in California, without being in the locker room every day. I don't need to have a relationship with anybody on the team. In fact, sometimes I think it's better that I don't have any type of relationship with anybody on the team because I, ha- I like that sort of distance. I feel like it lends some, a little more objectivity most of the time, most of the time, not every time. Uh, shout out to Elliot. Thanks for the super chat. Thanks for the retweet, Rob. See my GoFundMe. So apparently Elliot has an 11 year old daughter that has cancer, uh, who's not doing very well. I retweeted a GoFundMe for her. Uh, if you can go to my, my Twitter page at stats on fire, you'll see it. Uh, if you can help out, obviously that I'm sure would be greatly appreciated. I can't even imagine what it's like to have a child in that situation. Uh, my heart goes out to you, Elliot. So yeah, I retweeted it. If anybody wants to help out there. Uh, please do. Okay, let's see what uh, Judd says. Rob, my point isn't play. My point is if they get to a Super Bowl and play easy opponent, he's capable, for instance, if we beat the Rams that year, he probably wins when I'm saying things would need to go right for Jim. Well, that's, you're kind of touching on something with the 49ers. I think that they are building their team to win in those certain circumstances, that very narrow set of circumstances where like, if we don't happen to play a great quarterback and maybe the other team is not quite on their game and then they could win a Super Bowl. That's, I think the problem uh, that a lot of people have who don't like Brock Purdy starting is that they think that he's not a physically elite quarterback. And they think that it takes a physically elite quarterback to beat a physically elite quarterback. So I think that's what you're touching on there. Most of what I have said is that you shouldn't, build your team to be the exception. Like don't build your team to be a team that can win if everything goes perfectly for you. Cause statistically it's not likely to go your way. So you can't build your team to be the exception. Don't try to be the Eagles when they won with Nick Foles, try to be every other team that wins with a superstar quarterback, try to be the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. And if circumstances don't go your way and you end up with a Nick Foles type guy, maybe you'll still be able to pull it up. That's a, that's a much better way to say for it. That's a much better way to say it. Excuse me. Caesar says, Rob, going forward on fourth down should be more frequent, seeing as we only rely on our stack defense. I agree. Everybody knows that. 
Is somebody asking to be a guest? I apologize. Oh, okay. Here it is. Twin Empire. Can I be a guest? I'm not a jerk. AK, uh, ask Ryan Hensley. Yes, you can be a guest. I have no problem with that. I would love to do a whole show that's just that's just guest hosts. I would absolutely like to do that. Let's do it. In fact, let me find out. Let me find out what Levin's situation is, what Michelle, I'll find out what Grant's situation is. The next time I have a host that can't do a show, I will find out. I will post it on my Twitter page and we can do a show together. I would absolutely love that. I want to do a show with Coach. Uh, I tried to get in touch with him. We haven't been able to work it out yet, but yes, I would absolutely love to. I appreciate all the comments in the chat. I love it. Obviously, you guys have carried today's show. And so I would love to actually have a conversation. That would be fantastic. And if you want to yell at me and yell at me and criticize me, I'm totally cool with it. Like, whatever you want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. We will definitely work out a time for that. In fact, if you DM me on Twitter, anybody that's interested, maybe we could work it out and we'll plan a day and we'll try and get a time that works for everybody. All right? That's cool. Look, I love, love, love hearing from you. And having you on would be awesome for me. We can always talk Niners. Absolutely. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thank you so much to everybody. I really appreciate the support. Again, we just went over 4,000 uh, subscribers on our YouTube channel, Gold Standard Network. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. That means so much to me. It is a huge, huge deal. Your support is everything. And you supported me right after I got laid off and you've continued to support me and I love it and I love you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, okay, let me get this super chat in before I go. Rod Simmons, thank you very much. Stats, if someone in the franchise decides Kyle needs to be a head coach and hire a play caller, who would Kyle agree to hire? Chris Sims, a Kubiak son. I don't think Kyle would ever, ever, ever agree to that. I absolutely don't think he would ever agree to have anybody else call plays for him. That's not how it works. Although it would be interesting. I think he would go to someone like you've mentioned, someone like a, a friend, someone like a Chris Sims or a Kubiak or a LaFleur, if somehow one of them became available. I think that's what you would see. Or a Mike McDaniel, if he ever became available, someone that he's worked with before, basically someone that he thinks would call plays like him, essentially is what would happen. But again, I don't think that ever will happen. All right, everybody. Thank you. Have a great Monday. Uh, Steph and uh, Jason Aponte should be back tomorrow. And we'll talk to you then. Thank you.